This podcast may contain questionable language, will contain spoilers, and wonders why there's a light in the fridge, but not the freezer. and welcome to episode 164 of Movie Drone. I'm not seasick, but I am normal sick Steve. I'm Mark. That's too much for <laughs> me. Yeah. Now, mate. <laughs> no, I couldn't never Too say. tired to even try and <laughs> contemplate that. Um, I'm a bit sick, mate. So, yeah. uh, so yes, yeah, so you have to put up with like this a bit nasally. I mean, I you're used to it, obviously. Yeah. Listening to yourself. I'm a bit exhausted. Oh, yeah. so you'll have to carry the energy, <laughs> mate. Sorry, what? Exhaustipated. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Too tired to give a shit. Right, okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I don't know the light, the answer to the light question. No. Uh, Interesting though, isn't it? Not overly. No. No, no got to be honest. When you've been eating <laughs> as much food out of a freezer as I have, mate, <laughs> these are sort of things that come to you. I very like a second childhood for you. Oh, isn't it? I hate it, mate. Or a second period, like there's a period in your life... Sort of like you had like a year or so, didn't yeah. you, recently? I bet you're reliving that, aren't you, eh? No, I looked at the peas today and was like, I would eat all of you peas. I need peas. <laughs> there we go. So how have you been then, mate? It's been all right, mate. Mrs. has been sliced and diced. Yeah, I so know, I know. I saw. She's back in, went and picked her up from the hospital right. after her surgery. Um, she was determined to get home. Not convinced she should have gone home, right. but with the way NHS is, I can't wait to get out of the door. Okay. Which resulted in me getting her back full of morphine, um, talking all sorts Brilliant. of gibberish, mate. Brilliant. Yeah. Hope you recorded it. Um, at uh, Basically, she's my puppet at the moment, so she can't go to the toilet or move around without any help. <laughs> so I have to walk her like a puppet. <laughs> I'm like the puppet master. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, I mean, I hope she does get back on her feet soon, or all the girls that we know yeah. will end up with Hyman Munster eyebrows and Tom Selleck moustaches, don't <laughs> <isn't> they? Because <laughs> yeah, they'll need, rely on her. She needs we... to get going. Um, <laughs> feel like a horror film around here, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, walking around, mate, it's a bit like she's not fat. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> she's certainly not, mate. She's no. certainly not. No. Um, so, yeah, because yeah, like you don't have the power, do you? I've got so, my gangly uh, arms, mate. <laughs> You know what I mean? But yeah, she's doing all right. But we did have a weekend before she went into surgery. We weren't allowed anywhere. Isolation. Right. Um, her way of dealing with surgery is not to think about it. So we invented loads of jobs I needed to do. <laughs> so I spent all last weekend doing jobs. Right. Hence, I've come out here and put you a new heater in. You right have, next yeah. year. Uh, wide new heaters in everywhere to stay out the fucking house. There's like two heaters in there. Two heaters in here, two heaters next door. Good job, mate. All thermostated, all sorted, all in the mains, new ring, new circuit for I them. mean, this is definitely a tinderbox now, 100%. Yep. But anything to keep me out of the house, mate, because <laughs> the amount of jobs she was finding. And I bought some new pants, mate. New pants day. Expensive, aren't they? I mean, it depends, they expensive? it depends where you look. Oh, not particularly like posh pants. I mean, the extra smalls, they shouldn't be, but... No, uh, but I thought, right, okay, I'm going to get some new pants. Like 28 quid for three pairs. It's like, fuck about. I mean, uh, uh, special three-legged ones or something? I mean, oh. how the fuck? That sounds expensive, They mate. was only next. Oh, were they? Yeah, only next. No, I mean, they had your pants down, mate. Oh, hey. <laughs> but then obviously you sort of need more than a week's worth because you've got a lot of like, inside washing. Out. Inside out. 
Adds up, mate. Adds up. Spent a lot of money on pants. And then I've got a slightly bald dog. Um, <laughs> went to the vets. Um, I was just going to say, you haven't bought yeah. a new one. If it's no, like a new breed. No, no. Went to the vets and they was like, oh, yeah, he's got this thing. You need to put some steroid cream on him. Um, do you mind if we shave him a little bit so you can get through to it? And Should've what I can only assume is they attacked him with like a chainsaw because there's <laughs> this big gash along his side of baldness. You should have done like, just like the top of his head. It, just left his ears hairy. It's not subtle, is it? He looks like, <laughs> him and the missus both got look like they got stitches. I mean, I always love seeing him, bless him, even if he is bald. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. But that's it, mate. How's your week been? Uh, I don't know. Same as normal. Sick. Yeah. Someone spent a whole week in the office coughing and spluttering then went on holiday and left me with the lurgy. Uh. So it's not so good walking around at uh, the hours that I do in the morning. So not feeling too good. So might have to like take a little bit of a back seat at, at times today. All right. Just we'll we'll take it in turns then. Yeah. We? Just sort of struggling to uh, to talk and all that. So have you had any knock on the door? From last week, what an episode last week, eh? People loved it, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I think uh, thank you so much, Dewey. And it was um, it was really good. Really enjoyed it. A bit scary to start with. Yeah. I was having a bit of a social meltdown. I could I would tell, have. yeah. And then he didn't turn up, but yeah. um, because obviously Ian came and he had his PA with him as well. So it was all a bit, all a bit. But he was fucking fantastic, wasn't he? And great. People insight. loved him, mate. People I did. Loved yeah, him. I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to say keep getting. Loads of people down, Mark, you know yeah. what I mean? But uh, if it's people like Ian, yeah. I say that every day. So thank you so much to him. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say thank you for you sorting that out. Well oh, done. Welcome, but no knock mate. on the door, no? No. That's a shame. No. I mean, that would have been a good podcast story yeah. if Colton Leach had kicked your head in, wouldn't it? It'd be an honour to have my <laughs> head kicked in by a legend, mate. I mean, I can organise it. Yeah. You know, do you think, you know, like those videos that celebrities do, yeah. do you think he does like the things where he comes and kicks people's head in like for you? Like a cameo punch or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, like get Norton Faulkner to go, happy birthday. Because yeah. um, obviously he ain't doing a lot at the minute. But if you got Carlton Leach to come down and do that, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'll be up for it, mate. Yeah, I can, okay. I'll be like a Facebook legend. <laughs> Watch man get head kicked in by Colton Leach. <laughs> and uh, I listen the song. Right, yeah. you only gave me a little snippet of it last yeah. week. It's gone off, isn't it? I mean, I've got. I mean, in well, it hasn't, has it? I mean, like, I've got. We've got two people. Well, I mean, it's, 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 one I mean, wanted we, it as a novelty <laughs> present. <laughs> I mean, we're getting there. I'm yeah. not quite sure whether Glyn has, has done what I said and lied about how many points he got on what's that film so he can mm. get a CD. But, uh, but yeah, some people are asking for him and that's... So. Oh, have you got another little snippet just to see what beside B would maybe be like? Uh, well, you, you'd have to get through the intro, though. Right, okay. It's like five, ten-second intro. Right, okay. Uh, you're not having much of it, okay. mate. Okay, go on then. Oh, Let's have a go. little tiny bit. Okay. Take the piss. Oh, I mean, it's just like anticipation. It's a little bit funny. This feeling inside. Is that enough? Well, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't tell me you were going. I mean, I know why. Yeah, I got. We all know why, I mate. Know why. So, what are you going? So, what are you going to do with it now, then, mate? What's that? Just come out at like Christmas, and that is. I suppose what? I've got it out of my system, and I have. Oh. I mean, I've been in studios before, recorded. Yeah. Um, but this was it one... embarrassing? Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Did they auto-tune it? Is that what it's called? Apparently not. This it, one. You. That one, no auto-tune on a tour, apparently. I mean, that one sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, got that, yeah. Second one, I think there might be a couple of bits on, but, oh. you know. I mean, fair play for going and doing it, mate. I'm not yeah. quite sure that I could. I think I'd be a you bit know, embarrassed. He, he was it. about one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> it's getting worse, mate, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> you'd think it would be quite fun. I was like, oh, I quite fancy doing that. She bought it. I was like, actually, that's really nice. Gives yeah. me a chance to do it. And then they go, go on in, sing monkey. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. 
I'm yeah. going to get hold of that audio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Okay, then, mate. Yeah. Thanks for that. Have you got any real thanks? Yes, mate. I've got thanks to Right Stuff Reviews, to Collateral Cinema, Podcast HQ, St Paul's Filmcast, WTM, What Should We Watch, Forza Crowd, Nerdrover, Ronnie Castle, Mike Mike and Oscar, Timmy, Little Nick, Siegs, and the podcast that wouldn't die. Thank you very much, everyone, for the retweets on Twitter there. So I've got special thanks for people who've gone the extra mile, as always. Going to say thank you to Ian again, mm. to Jill, to Cassie, to VHS Strikes Back, to Jamie Russell, Cinema Recall, Glyn, Sean Panda Nicholson, Emma at the Movies, Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T, Jamie Irwin, LJ Human, Ryan, the Movie Journey podcast, Ben and Paul from Film Bust. He's still going, Paul, isn't he? I know, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> he's a little bit of a low, but he's, yeah. he's still going. Bless his heart. Apple Park Films, Chris Watt. And I just want to say, get well soon to Cassie. Yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, Needs to get yeah please get well soon. <laughs> it's an half hour work, mate. Fuck about it. They've got two kids, right? Literally, just like, you shit, just leave it. <laughs> I, I, just said, I actually said to her tonight, you know what? I can see why you get so stressed. <laughs> Because all you spend your life is picking shit up after them. <laughs> like they can start doing it themselves. Have a shower, just leave the towel. <laughs> you fold shit up, you walk back, and it's all scrumpled again. Like I've literally just folded that up. They're calling me Mummy Mark at the moment. <laughs> oh, God. Because I just do Please all the don't shit. Tell me that. But I'm just like, man, these. Like, they need to learn to do some shit, I'm telling you now. It's <laughs> stressful. I mean, maybe they will do as they actually become adults, mate, yeah. and grow up. Yeah. You know what I mean? There you go. But, all right. Yeah. Got a promo this week? Yes, mate. Hey, everyone. This is Ryan L. Terry, film and theme park critic, screenwriting instructor, and figure skater. You know, there's something about the magic of motion pictures that's always intrigued me and ignited my imagination. I firmly believe that the greatest art in the world is the art of storytelling, as the great Cecil B. DeMille once stated. Whether it's diving deep into a film's theme and symbolism, just kicking back and enjoying a guilty pleasure movie for pure entertainment, or discussing my favorite genre of horror, I love sharing my thoughts and feelings about movies with my students, friends, and fellow critics. You may have heard me on shows such as One Movie Punch, Movie Drone, Epic Film Guys, Movie Geek and Proud, or Cocktail Party Massacre. And if you would be interested in me making a guest appearance on your show, send me a direct message. Would love to get the conversation started. You can follow my film reviews at rlterryrealview.com. That's real with two E's. You can also find me on social media at rlterry1 on Twitter, where you can join the conversation with me and the rest of hashtag film Twitter. Thank you for listening, and I will see you at the movies. There we go. So that's the uh, legend that is Ryan mm. L. Terry. Real views are a really good read, aren't they? Yeah. And you might not know, mate, but he's due on soon. Right, yeah, I know you're I know. in charge of the bookings <laughs> and stuff. You what don't. What do you mean I don't know? It's a well, fucking just, Halloween film. For I know, God's but sake. you just sort of turn up and go, "Oh, we've got something on." But yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a Halloween film. I know yeah. that a new Halloween film means that we have Ryan on. Yeah, it's tradition. It is tradition. Movie drone tradition. What yeah. great tradition, isn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean. To have something that, uh, that we all get together and do. Yeah, it's um, like the tradition we've got where every episode's a car crash. <laughs> 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 you can say that. Yeah, brilliant. So I'm looking forward to uh, having Ryan. On and yeah. please, uh, please do read his blog, a real yeah. view. It's brilliant with two E's, really thoughtful as well. Sort of thought out and goes into stuff, and you think, Oh, yeah, it's proper critics. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm just not intelligent <laughs> enough to think like that. <laughs> so, there we go. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, mate. All right, then, mate, play yeah. your music. Welcome to the Mark reads some film lines in some similar voices, and Steve has to guess the film from the lines read to get points game. Hashtag, what's that film? Here we go. So this is a quiz. And mm -hmm. 
shouldn't have really said that Glyn might have lied just to get a CD. I'm sure he didn't. He's quite good at it. So um, who got what and what was it? Well, it was Football Factory, mate. It was. Apparently a little bit hard. I mean, it was um, a difficult one. I mean. Well, Jill, LJ, Emma. <laughs> Nothing, mate. Paul got one. Right. There's only two scorers this week. Paul got one. Right. Guess how many Glyn got? Five. Five? Yeah. I mean, I, like I say, I did say, you might yeah. as well lie if you want a CD. Yeah. He did mention that he would like a CD yeah. in the actual uh, the actual DM about yeah. how many he'd got. So I'm not quite sure whether yeah. he's lying or not. Maybe he can let us know. I'm sure he wasn't. I got three, mate. Yeah. I told you, didn't I? You did. And I didn't think there would be anyone that scored. And I was close. Yeah. Close to that. Yeah. So um, I wonder if it's going to be as hard this week. It's always hard for me. I don't really enjoy it. Well, no. I don't say enjoy no, I don't, no. This one will be easier for people. Would it? Not necessarily you, but this one will be easier for people. Right. <laughs> Normal people. Normal people. Okay then, mate. Go on then, let's get it going. Five points then, mate. What's that feel? Show me the way home, honey. Um, Not sure about the accent or no, line delivery. No, I might. Um, I mean, listen, I'm probably not going to get it from that, mate. No. no. Four points then for everyone else. What's that feel? What do you mean for everyone else? I'm not fucking out yet. All right. I'm doing all right. Well, people might have got it. They might huh? be like five, five, okay. five. All right. So Just write anyone who hasn't got it so far. <laughs> Son, your ego is right in checks. Your buddy can't cash. Take it's American. Yeah. Okay. No, sorry. Chuff with that. You recognised it was American, <laughs> mate. Thank you very much. Three points then. What's that feel? She's lost that love and feeling. Um, oh. I even gave you a little bit of a tune now. Not convinced, is it? I mean, the tune is in the film, but I'm not. Right, okay. I mean, should I, should I really get that from that? Is that like... A lot of people will, mate. A lot of people will. Right. Okay. No, I don't know. No? No. Here's your big and then, mate. Two points. What's that feel? You can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> I mean... You can be my wingman anytime. <gasps> oh, is it... Yay! <laughs> well done, mate. Was that actually you singing the fit? That's the song. No, I don't. Or is it, or is it a line? No, there's a line in there. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I think right. he said something along the lines of, "Well, she's last said love and feeling." Right, I don't feel that stupid. Ironic then. line. Right. right. I just thought I'd have the tune in. Okay. There's a little clue. There you go. There you go. Right. So, carry on then. Everyone else, then one point. What's that feel? I feel the need. The need for speed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Dumbed it down a bit this week, have you? Yeah, right. At two, mate. At two, didn't I? <laughs> Lot of upset people. <laughs> I think if they don't get it two weeks, they're like, I'm not playing anymore. Well, I don't blame them, mate. I don't want to stop people playing. Okay, all right. So please let us know what you did get if you got it, and uh, on DM, let yep. us know how many and what you think it is, yep. and we will confirm or deny. Mm. Um, there you go. All mm. right, then, mate. Moving on. Yes, this is Mark's mail sack. Begging tweet. Fucking I mean, filled I, the fucker though, didn't I? <laughs> Begging tweet. Mate, we're done for a couple of months. Oh, I do, um, the problem is, is you know, like I try and sort of have a look at the socials. I'm not yeah. really sort of, at the moment, I'm I'm out and about and, I, and I'm yeah. on my feet and running around. So I hope I have chosen the correct question to answer again. Okay. Because there was so many. Yes. And I believe we had a quick conversation about which one. I'm just hoping I got it right. Well, fingers crossed, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, mate, I mean, we still can get some in. We've we can, some. yeah. So, obviously, you've sent your questions in, quite a few. 
please bear with us. We will get round to every all of one them. of them. Yeah, so uh, bear even with us. the shit ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't tell you which one. Yeah. Is. Not necessarily the late ones. Uh, well, we need a quick one. No, uh, just please bear with us. Obviously, yeah. we will get round to them. It'd be a surprise, wouldn't it? Whether you questioned in there, what yeah. a little surprise for people. Yeah, fucking, we keep giving, don't we? <laughs> okay, then, mate. Yeah. Moving on. Oh no, actually, where can people send questions to? They can send us via Twitter or Instagram, which is at movie underscore drone, or via email on movie drone podcast at hotmail.com excellent thank you if not Mark will be sending out another begging tweet in around yeah. about eight weeks oh, so uh, <laughs> okay moving on yeah. this is the next section this is the section that we love to call question, question time question time question time time for the question question time question time question time time for the question question time and there we go sorry about it sounding rough that's what? Right. I can't really laugh. If I laugh, Make I cough. Makes you sound a bit manly. Uh, it does it, does it? If I laugh, I cough. So it's quite okay. lucky that yeah. you're uh, not very funny tonight. Oh, I can't wait to hear your muttly laugh tonight. Then. <laughs> uh, well, might not come out. Might <laughs> not come out. So, uh, okay then, mate. So we did get a question in. We did. Who was first? Because you promised first person. Let's see your face. Mr. P. Hey. Yeah, you're there, are you? Yeah, I am, yeah. So Mr. P says, are there any actors who tricked you into thinking they're great based on one or two performances, but then every other time you see them, they're not that good? Example is Robert Downey Jr. is great in Natural Born Killers and Tropic Thunder. So I always forgot that he mostly plays himself in everything else, and I'm not a fan of that. Okay, cool. There we go. So uh, it's probably one that... Wasn't sort of a bit surprising, that mm. one, because a lot of people do like Robert Downey Jr., didn't they? Mm-hmm. So, mate, I'm interested. Who you got? I've really struggled with this, mate. Right. I'll be honest with you. Because I wonder whether sometimes it's because people get typecast mm-hmm. rather than they're not actually that good and you just end up not liking the shit they're putting out. Mm-hmm. But that does, does that make them bad? And I think it's more the quality of roles and lack of ambition when you're doing it for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of these really successful people, you start off really great and then you start rolling like 40 millions, 40 millions, 40 millions. And I just think they're a bit shit, but they're just banking money, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And perhaps these big paychecks are ruining people's creativity. We've seen with like Pig with Nicolas Cage, where actually I would have maybe put him into this category a little while back and now he's out of this category so I've struggled and I've put there's plenty I'd say I don't like but I wouldn't say they're not good Okay. so just because I don't like someone it doesn't mean they're not good they're probably very good at what they do Okay. so I've only got a couple what do you mean a couple well two right <laughs> okay because if I wrote a lot down and right. then I was like actually no that's just I don't like them right. that's not that they're not good right so I've got to accept that like I can't actually judge their talent okay um, so my first one is Melissa McCarthy. Right. Okay. I don't think she's good. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so is there like some film that you thought she was good in? Not Star- Bridesmaids. I thought she was hilarious, mate. Right. Um, right. And I wonder if she comes under the same thing as typecast because there's certain films now where I just, I'm bored of her. Right. And okay. I, I don't think she's... I suppose versatility comes down to being good, doesn't it? And some of these, like Emma Stone and that, where they can play a different things. So whether you're typecast or just only good at playing that character, I don't really know. Okay, so I suppose I've got roughly the, the same sort of thing, but I've got Russell Brand. 
My okay. first one. So I loved him when he played Aldo Snow. Yeah. In those, uh, what was it? Get him to the Greek. Yeah. And um, forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's it. Yeah. But then uh, he's playing the same sort of character, being kid stuff and that. And he's doing things like Arthur. So I thought he was going to be actually quite a good comedic actor. But you're right. I mean, he's playing the same sort of thing. But it's just that I didn't think that the other performances on the newer ones were actually that good. Okay. My other one, mate. And this is going to hurt a lot of people. They're going to hate me. Ryan Reynolds. Right. I sort of get it. Um, we started, there's a few like buried safe house, things like that, where you can actually see some real talent. And I just see him dialing in and dialing in and he's popular and he's making money, but mm. fuck me, are they bad? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I quite like them sometimes. They do great. I suppose I have to be in a certain mood. Um, we were saying that we were going to go and see Free Guy. We haven't. Yeah. Not not me and you, but me, yeah. and, me and Jill. Um, we were saying that we were going to go and see it, and we just haven't. And I think you're probably right. It's sort of like that effect where we know exactly what we're going to get, and it's yeah. like one night we might just go, do you know what, let's go down there. We're in the need of a bit of comedy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I sort of get it. Okay, um, did you not put Brendan Fraser down? I'm surprised. Brendan Fraser? Yeah. No, he's great in everything. Right, okay. <laughs> great in everything. Okay, I mean, like I say, he's done the mummy and stuff like yeah. that. He's having a bit of a resurgence at the yeah. moment, actually. Yeah. Um, I just thought that, uh, obviously, after the mummy, he did go away. I know he had problems, but yeah, um, but yeah he's a little bit of a resurgence. Um, I've got Macaulay Culkin. Okay. Um, I don't really want to put child actors on there. But uh, after Home Alone, I just think, I mean, it's probably wasted, I think. There's quite, quite a few, though, aren't there, of the child actors who made a few big ones and then just literally never did anything. Yeah, like Edward Furlong and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got uh, another couple. Um, I've got Robert Patrick okay. from Terminator. Right. Because I thought he was pretty good in that. I thought he could have made a good villain. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's been uh, particularly good after that. And then my main one, I've got Ralph Macchio. Okay. Right. Yeah. I can see it. Can you? Yeah. Oh, good. I think yeah. you might be angry. No, no, I can see it. I mean, the two films that I like is obviously Karate Kid yeah. and My Cousin Vinny. Okay. wasn't uh, a massive... Crossroads or something, the other one he did. He was a guitars, uh, blues guitarist, wasn't he? <clears throat> That's really good. Is it? Not seen it? No. Okay. I might add that to your room. Really? Yeah. Okay. Even after I've just said that, yeah. Well... Let's see if we can prove you wrong. <laughs> okay, I suppose so. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of sort of um, uh, bigger ones, isn't there? Things like Jennifer Grey. Yeah. People have said who've done Ferris Bueller and obviously Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Um, obviously after that, and even Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. From Star Wars, I thought they were going to be a lot bigger, but again, didn't really do anything. I mean, I know Mark Hamill's had a career and he's voicing the Joker and stuff, but not really as actors or actresses, no. in my opinion. Okay. That. So there we go. That's mine. Yeah. All right. Oh, I forgot Paul Rudd. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Well, you need to sort of uh, make it up to five. So you know, the uh, fucking was five. But there you he go. never said five, mate. Never Did mentioned. Did he not? No. Oh. Are there any actors, oh. he says? <laughs> I've done five. Yeah. Because I thought he said five. No. That's why mine's Read the a bit question, mate. thin. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't get a chance to read and I told you. Sorry. It's just a quick quick scan over and then it's in it's going to just get good through these next ones I'm just going to have random answers coming out but thank you very much Mr P he was yeah. fucking quick off the mark when he <laughs> flew in so thank you very much for that so yeah we've uh, I mean Mark your booking has continued uh, going we've got some uh, some great people on so we have got a guest to discuss a new film who's with us it's Adam 
from Apple Park, or say from Apple Park Films. I think he might be Apple Park Films. <laughs> Actually be Apple Park yeah. Films. Yeah. Hello, Adam. Hello. Absolutely right. And Apple Park Films is more or less just me. I've changed. I work with different people every time, and I'm the only consistent member, kind of like some of those famous bands people know. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel so bad uh, just on the thanks that we do normally uh, say in Apple Park Films now about your name. At least it, it, we, everyone knows it's you. That's good. I'm not shy about it. I don't try and like hide behind this idea that it's a corporate identity. I think people like the fact that it's just me and I act like it. Absolutely. So good news this week. You've finished the crowdfunding. You've hit the money and a little bit extra. Yeah. So you're nice um, and relieved, nice and chilled out, looking forward to starting? Uh, yes. I say I, starting, going to the next stage rather than starting. Yeah, I am chilled out. Like Crowdfunding is like a full-time job. Yeah. And um, I work in education, so I had like the six-week holiday to do the majority of it, and that was fine. But like the past week and a bit, I've been back at work. So right. it's like having two full-time jobs. So now that's over, I can switch into producer and director mode and still have two full-time jobs, but <laughs> more creative and fun two full-time jobs yeah. than crowdfunding. So how close is it until you're going to start actually filming now then? We shoot on, we start principal photography on the 18th of October. Wow. So we're a month away, more or less. So have you got all your cast? Everyone's been sorted? Yeah, because uh, we were meant to shoot in February. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, COVID put a stop to that as cases kind of shot through the roof. Uh-huh. And the vaccine hadn't rolled out. So some of the cast were a bit worried about shooting at a time when cases were so high. And I had COVID quite early on in the pandemic and it battered me senseless. So I wouldn't want anyone to go through what I went through. Yeah. So, yeah, we decided we took the decision to delay plus we'd started a crowdfunding campaign back then and a week after we started it or two weeks after we started it the thing just the country closed down again and people were less keen to support and part with their money understandably so so we raised a bit back then some of the things we'd already paid for fell through so we still had to pay for those which you know meant we cost money so that's why we had to do another one now but because of that the cast have been in place since December last year. Yeah. Um, that's all set up. We've got our locations. I paid the proper deposit on those today. So that's locked in. Uh, schedule's almost done. I've just got to check that the scenes are in a sensible order or an order that makes sense for the time of day. Yeah. Uh, we've just offered our sound recordist post out to someone and they've said yes. So that's amazing. Brilliant. And we're just securing the last of the locations. Today I've been going through costumes and sort of sorting out the costumes out and figuring out what they're gonna what the characters are gonna wear. And um I've been talking with the actors this week to get through sort of some slight tweaks with the script based on their reading of it and my reading of it and things that may or may not have to change. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's 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 moving. It's moving at full speed, if you will. So when, when you're sitting, you've done this crowdfunding campaign, you've got your budgets all set in. How easy is it to stick to this budget? Because now you're starting to, I mean, for example, I work in a building trade, so we try and budget, we try and cost, and then suddenly everything's going up at the moment. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, there's never 
too much money on a film set. Yeah. So make borrow and steal where you can. Yeah. Thankfully, we raised a bit more than we thought we more than we needed, so that will contribute to it gladly. I'm going to put some of my own money into it to round it up. Yeah. I have made a feature film for this money, the money, the liquid money that we have. Yeah. Um, before, so I know it is doable. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the biggest challenge will be the fact that we've got we're shooting a ninety to one hundred page script in seven days. Wow! So we, we might say this, or we will say this before Christmas. Then uh, I'm hoping to have a working edit ready for February. Um, oh, okay. Our editor's doing it for a, a slice of the profits. So if he gets paid work, come up. Which he will because he's brilliant. Yeah, he's obviously he's got to take that mm-hmm. first and put what we do to the side. So, and now you're planning um, on um, distributing it. Uh, we've been in contact with distributors already. We were in contact with distributors earlier this year. Yeah, uh, the mistake I made with my first film is I just went and made it and then hoped someone buy it. Okay, <laughs> and um, and that didn't happen. Um, so this time. I went back, we went with the idea of like, well, we'll see if anyone's interested in this before we fully commit to it. And we've had about 11 companies say, yeah, this sounds like something that might be for us. Um, Another company in the States saw a short film that I made and really liked it. And so they said, we'd like the chance to see whatever you do next to see if that interests us and will fit in our slate. So quite optimistic about that. Wow, that's um, oh, fair play. It sounds like a lot of hard work. It sounds like you are working really hard. Yeah, it's it's the best job in the world, yeah. without a doubt. But I think it has this kind of glamorous aura about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what draws people to the idea of being filmmakers. And then like they don't realise that like for those seven days... I'm going to be sweating through like every pair of clothes that I have because yeah. it's so much hard work and just going to kind of crawl home at the end of it, crawl into bed and wake up and do the whole thing again the next day. Like it's, it's, it's stressful. This part that we're in now where I'm having all the ideas and like sort of bringing it all together. That's the most fun part for me. Yeah. Um, not because um, being on set, is particularly unpleasant. I enjoy being on set. It's just that when you're on set, you've got deadlines to meet and you've got things to have to get done by certain times of the day. So you're constantly focusing on that yeah. as well as what's going on in front of the camera. So you know, it's it's only when you sort of step back and you watch what you've seen and you realise that actually this is really like some of this is really good and you know I've definitely made the right choices. Yeah, that you then appreciate what you've done on set. It kind of it's like an aftertaste, if I'm, you will. I'm guessing as an educator, then this is going to be shot in your half term break. No, I'm I'm quite lucky. I'm a casual worker in okay. education, so I'm shooting it the week before half term. So, so you I do get a break to relax. I was going to say you actually going to get any downtime before. I am. Um, I made a short film for a anthology. Uh, back in 2018, and that was only a day and a half shoot, and it was a fairly easy shoot. Like, yeah. Everything went smoothly. Um, we didn't overrun. We didn't have any like major issues come up, and I went to work the very next day, and I fell asleep in the morning meeting. 
and my friend was sliding across the table to kind of block the head teacher's view of me sliding across the table. <laughs> so I felt <laughs> That sounds good, but I mean, we've we've purchased the uh, watch party ticket, yeah, so yeah. We're, we're really looking forward to doing it. We're hoping to cover it on an episode later in the year as well, um, but we're really looking forward to sitting around with everyone sitting there and getting our first view of it. Mm. Yeah, we're, I'm looking forward. We're still figuring out quite how we're going to run that. We're not sure if we're going to run it and show the very final version of the film or run it like a test screening where we're like, this is the version that we think is good, but we'd like some audience feedback on it and you bought the watch party tickets. So we'd like your feedback on it. Don't ever listen to us. <laughs> we're idiots. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're not sure if we're going to do it, which way we're going to do it, um, yeah. but it should be fun. You know, it, it's great sharing a film with an audience. It's nerve wracking, but like it is, it's great as well. Yeah, it must be great to uh, to know that all these people out there were were happy to sort of invest. It seems to uh, it seems to have sort of um, everyone's taken on board on it. It must be a lovely feeling. It is. It's yeah, uh, and we've had people that like someone we don't know um, from the states invested like a really big chunk of money in it. Nice. Um, you know, about one thousand six hundred pounds. Uh, you know, for people who have never met us, to go, yes, this idea resonates with me, and I really want to see you make it. Is is uh, it's a really powerful thing. Mm. That sounds good. I mean, I just want to. It's more of a question out of my interest than possibly if anyone wants to hear. But I watched one of your tweets come through the other day about there was a piece of music you was trying to resist from buying to put in the end credits. Um, and hearing you've got your like your all your score and your music done um, yourselves, but when it comes to stuff like that, how much of the budget? This is I've always wondered. Like, if you're going to put a song in a film, how does that work? Do you pay just for the song license? Do you have to pay on your revenue? Do you pay on each play? Um, you 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 have to pay for the motion picture license for yeah. the song. Yeah, and then it depends on obviously the song and the performer. So, you so can if you want a Beatles song performed by the Beatles, that is yeah. going to cost you a lot. Yeah. If you have a Beatles song performed by someone who's not the Beatles, it it costs you less, but it's still a Beatles song, so yeah. it still costs you quite a bit. So you can eat um, through a lot. I was I was only really kind of like half joking with that. I thought it was I just kind of I was messing around with. Um, I was listening to the soundtrack and I had my iTunes on on random and that track came up next and I was just like, actually that kind of works. Yeah. It's got that kind of, someone pointed out that it has like that a sort of humorous juxtaposition to the tone of the film. Yeah. But I have every confidence that our composer Imran is going to write a bit of music that will smash it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. From what um, you're saying with the bits you've listened to, it sounds really, really strong. We're really looking forward to seeing it, mate. Oh, thank you. I hope I don't let anybody down there. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll take it there's no refunds available for the, for the watch party. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, you better make it good. <laughs> right. So we've asked you on to talk to us about a film as well. Um, yep. Part of sort of what we do. We do a little main review. And we're hoping to do that with Amaya as well. We're hoping we can do a, a full episode on it uh, when we get there. But in the meantime, we've decided or asked you if you come on to talk about a film. Um, so we've reviewed together a film that's currently 6 out of 10 on IMDb. is an 18, 1 hour, 24 minutes long, billed as a horror mystery, 
with a synopsis of, after viewing a strangely familiar video nasty Enid, a film censor sets out to solve the past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest that dissolves a line between fiction and reality. I've got no budget on this, but a gross of 350000 This is directed by Prano Bailey Bond, starring Neem Algar, Nicholas Burns, Vincent Franklin, Sophia Laporta, Adrian Schiller and Michael Smiley. This was 2021's Censor. Clip. There's this actress. I've got this feeling that it's Nina. Oh, my sister. You know, if someone did take her, then there's still out there. You've never been clear on exactly what you remember. You'd be surprised what the human brain can edit out when it can't handle the truth. Someone's losing the plot. There we go. So, um, are you a horror fan, Adam? <sighs> Do you know, I used to say I was a horror fan. And then over the past sort of couple of years, I've worked with some real horror fans. And I've started to question whether or not I actually am a horror fan or if I'm just a film fan that likes a lot of horror films. Right, okay. Because I've seen people like rave about certain horror films and say, oh, this is absolutely amazing. And I've watched it and thought, oh, this isn't really my cup of tea. Right. But it has a real strong following within fans of the genre. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this labelled as the best um, British horror film in years. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I like I say, I've I've, I've struggled this week, um, Adam, with being thick, and I don't think a film like this has helped me a lot. But I didn't really think that it was that horrific. Yeah, I I don't know. I I everything about Censor was kind of primed for me to love it. I love video nasties. It's what I wrote about when I was at university. It's my one of my favourite aspects of film history. Um, I've got collections of video nasty films at home. I genuinely find them fascinating and how our sensibilities as a society have changed over time. And so we've come to accept films that, you know, less than 40 years ago were banned outright. and We were told we can't see them because they're damaging, terrible. So like this film, everything about it was primed for me to love it. And I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I kind of came away thinking that I was, I almost felt a bit sad that I liked it, but didn't love it because I was so primed to love it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It makes definite sense. Um, Mark, what did you think? Well, I, I sat down and watched this with the missus, right. first time watch, and she was, we got to the end and she was like, well, that was crap, wasn't it? And I was like, no, that was brilliant. Right. And she was like, explain. And I was like, I don't know why I love this film, but I love this film. So I've gone back twice and seen it. So right. I've seen it three times now. Oh, yeah. And I think I just about get it. I'm not sure I fully understand everything, but it's one that I felt with more and more watches I really enjoyed. But I still can't perfectly pinpoint why I love it. But I thought it was really clever. Um, me and Adam was talking about potential films we could do. And I was like, there's so many segues with the discussion on this film. Um, that I think it would make a really do- good discussion, but truthfully, selfishly, I really, really liked it, mate. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm actually sitting here hoping that the discussion between you two explains a bit about it for me. That's how thick I think I was this yeah. week. I mean, I love the perverse idea of building a horror film around 
um, have a sensor mm -hmm. and a video nasty. I think that, that was a great a great idea. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how old you are, Adam. I am of the age where I remember the video nasty list and the band list. And uh, I'm just like you. I was hunting them out. We used to people used to sort of come with like VHS copy of of some of the ones that were on there and banned. And to be honest, I'm a bit of a gore hound. And I don't think even at that age I found any of them particularly over the top. There's not many films that shock me. Um, and it's just my, I've got this morbid thing about gore, etc. So my horror films are probably, I'm less psycholo psychological than you, aren't I? Mm -hmm. So do you prefer the gory ones, Adam? Sometimes. Right, okay. And sometimes not. I, I'm, I've seen quite a few horror films this month. Uh, I went to see Censor, and I, part of me does wonder if the reason, like, because I was so primed to love it and then I only liked it, I do wonder if part of that was because I had to see it at 10 o'clock at night with my best mate in an empty cinema screen when I'm, you know, I've, I'd rather watch it at a matinee screening when I'm far more myself and mm -hmm. not ready for bed and such. Um, I saw The New Candyman, yeah. which... Again, I really wanted to love and only liked. I saw Malignant, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, and it's a sort of sh schlocky kind of horror film that pays a lot to its things. And I saw The Night House, which I genuinely really loved. Right. And like it genuinely creeped me out. And so I think as I've gotten older, I think things like that have like the psychological things that are implied frighten me a lot more than gory stuff and such. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily find gore particularly frightening. That said, I can't watch the scene in Zombie Flesh Eaters where the woman's eye is impaled on the, the wooden stick because I've got a real thing about eyes and I find right. them unsettling. Oh, I have, to, I have the yeah. same with teeth. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I can't do that bit at all. I have to look away. Mm. So there are still things that creep me out, but like I could never watch, say, Evil Dead and think this needs to be banned because it's so ludicrously over the top. It's mm. hilarious. Yeah. So this made me think, I mean, as a director yourself, would you prefer, if you were sort of, so we give you an unlimited budget, you can make a film, do you think there's more skill in conveying a story psychologically and trying to put terror into someone without the need for like gratuitous violence and gore? but you're still trying to affect the audience in a horrific way. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, my dream project, the one that I've got that I really want to make, is a, is a zombie film. I really like zombie films. Mm -hmm. I have for a long time. And it's a zombie film that is about a family unit on a farm, isolated farm, and the relationship between the... Uh, father figure and the mother figure who aren't who aren't actually married um, is abusive and I remember when I was pitching it round only one person kind of got it the way I was hoping to get it a lot of people were like there needs to be more blood there needs to be more gore this is what people are expecting and I was just like yes but you know zombies and gore and all that I don't think people find that scary whereas abusive relationships are real and they're a thing and so there is that kind of underlying unsettling nature there. Mm -hmm. But even with that, this year, uh, well, last year, 
when we when we were first pitching it around, people asked us, you know, oh, can we make this into a bigger thing? Can it be a franchise or whatever? And I kept saying no because I only write things with the eye to that's the one thing and that's it. And the guy I was attached to was like, no, you should really say yes and start maybe thinking of some ideas, mm-hmm. which I did. And I came to write them last year because I had like a gap, a load of time to myself. And I was just like, I'm going to write these ideas because I want to get them out of my head and onto the page. And I couldn't keep them as horror films. I like They turned into action films, kind of like Mad Max with zombies and, and stuff like that, because I just don't find zombies scary. Yeah. And I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to do the, the first one again. I wanted to tell different stories within that kind of world. So yeah, I think the psychological stuff is the stuff that appeals to me as a director, definitely. One of the most striking things for me in this is the portrayal of the 80s and the way that they sort of got that grey office um, mm-hmm. look to it. Um, was you impressed with the sets, both of you? Yeah. yeah I was very young in the sort of latter half of the 80s. Okay. But like, I still remember like the feeling of like, my early homes and such and it felt and it you know it felt like that the world felt like that yeah it's quite uh, a sort of, i love the television she has in her apartment because i'm pretty sure we had that television yeah yeah we um, did you just have to whack it to stop it whistling <laughs> uh, what about you mate yeah i mean i really enjoyed this is another reason is the physical effects in it um another thing i want to talk to adam about with I mean, I've seen Malignant, you haven't. We're going to talk about it next week. But obviously, that's got a lot of CGI in. But I love the fact that this relied on filmmaking and some physical effects and some different ratio changes. And again, just wondered as a filmmaker whether you see CGI as the lazy man's out, whether it sort of lets you tell a story better, or with physical effects, how they let you tell a story more. I don't think CGI is necessarily lazy. In fact, I think a lot of people would probably be surprised just how much stuff is CGI. Mm-hmm. Even in non-dramatic scenes, you know, they might green screen out a background and put something else behind it because mm-hmm. that's more what they're looking for. But when it comes to like big effects sort of scenes, I, I am a big fan of doing things in camera. Yeah, um, I really admire Chris Nolan's work just because he he you know he needed to spin a corridor in Inception. And rather than do it in C- with CGI and such, he, he built a corridor. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you just don't do that these days. People don't do that at all. And so I, I, you know, I would love to do. I, yeah, I think in camera is for me. You know, it's there. It happens. It, it's real. Yeah, you know, Jaws is still really effective because the shark is there and they're acting off of something. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've seen plenty of shark movies that are all CGI, and you know, you can tell that they're they're trying their best to act off of like a green ball that has come out of the water as a reference point for them. Yes. But you know, it's not the same. So are you planning on using any CGI in your, in the Maya? Uh, if we do, it will be really um, sort of subtle yep. stuff. So um, like the signage outside the church, we could, you know, we could take all that down and change it. I don't, think the church would be very happy about it though so what we will do is we'll create an image to put over the top of it yeah in post and you know you'd not be able to tell the difference too much in my first feature little pieces there's a sequence at an ice rink and we shot that sequence at 
like one in the morning, three in the morning. And so, uh, but it's, it takes place at like 23.55. So the time in the clock that you can see during it is CGI, it's digital. So little pieces like that are still essential CGI in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with Sensor, do you had quite a few subplots mm-hmm. and I think part of the problem that I had with it like um, the killer the deranged killer the person who kills mm-hmm. based on the film deranged I don't think they had much of a conclusion um, and I felt like I, I didn't quite understand I, you can explain to me sort of mm-hmm. uh, why they were all in there was it just about the video nasty part of it was it just sort of because that was the theme of the film or what i know i was being thick this week yeah i think it's that double theme isn't it because we are following a film censor yeah um so when they are talking about trying to blame the effect on these films that are having on people and i thought it was quite clever in the way that they had done it so the censors were there to protect everyone else but in a way because the censors have to watch all of this stuff she was getting affected as affected as well and her sort of inner madness in i suppose her ptsd over what happened with her sister um and the way it actually turned her mad as a sensor i thought was a good clever double layer mm. between her protecting but her exposing herself as well all right what do you think of her performance or what do you think of all the performances or any other standouts I, I thought she was really good she reminded me it was like some maud i think uh-huh. um when you're sort of following one character's decline into madness yeah um i'd possibly like St. Maud a little bit more because it might be a little bit simpler to explain i think it was because it had the religious mm. undertone bit and so i think that's why i understood that a little bit more what do you think of the performances adam in this one there was so much about it that i did like you know i thought the performances were were great you know i really believed uh nima alga and, and what she did and, you know, the lecherous film producer was brilliant. He, you know, he's like nasty and horrible. And he made my skin cruel and that's yeah. exactly what he's supposed to do. Is that Michael Smiley, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like him. And, um, you know, you've got the, the big guy at the end in the cabin who plays the monster. The beast man, yeah. Yeah, the beast man. And people have found that sort of performance quite funny. And I don't think everyone's quite realised that it's supposed to be because it captures the tone of those films from that era because they were just being made by people that like grabbed cameras and gone out with whoever they could find. And it literally ends as a video nasty really, doesn't Mm. it? Yeah. And so it's like, um, yeah, I thought the performances were, were really strong. I I really liked Nima Alga. I thought she was, you know, she carries the film. The one thing that I just wanted to ask you. So one thing I did notice that I did like was the way that as the film got sort of more manic the colors got brighter um her hair that was in sort of like a a nice little bun became just started to come out and become all more frizzy etc and i think that they turned to handheld cameras i've read somewhere um which made obviously the movements um far more frenetic um and added to sort of like the manic nature as it sort of built up to its end i mean i take it that's something that you would probably pick up on uh, normally more than us yeah it's i think you know, Prana Bailey Bond is clearly very talented. Um, she clearly had a vision for the film and knew what sh- she wanted to say with it. Mm-hmm. And she was able to kind of convey a lot of interesting ideas visually. I did something very similar in a short film I made 
where um, a writer experiences, he lives in a very corporate and locked world where people aren't allowed to experience wild swings of emotion. And as and he's given the opportunity to, so he can come up with a piece of creative writing. And what we did was as he experienced these emotions and then refused to stop experiencing, experiencing them after the fact, um, you know, we took the camera off and went handheld and became a lot, had a lot more movement and such. And we did that very deliberately and we put more colour into it then as well, we, wow. you know, the, at the beginning. So they are very deliberate choices. And I do like when I see that. And I think um, she had like a great, that was clearly like a, a vision for the film. She clearly understood that that was what was happening. You know, the costumes were there. She talks a lot. Um, Pranabay and Nimaraga talk a lot about the glasses that Enid wears. And that, you know, the moment when everything changes is when her glasses fall off mm-hmm. while she's watching one of these films and like how her glasses almost act as like a protector and that's her shield. And when they drop, she's exposed to everything. And that's what triggers the trauma that she may or may not have experienced when she was younger. Yeah. I think one of the things I, I would have liked, and, you know, I'm not going to tell any other filmmaker how to do their job or what they should do. One of the things I would have liked, I think, is a bit more clarity on the the real nature of that trauma, you know, and what she may or may not have saw, or what, if, if she felt guilt about what happened, making that maybe a little bit clear. I think she had lots of ideas, and I don't think all of them kind of came out at the end of it, I think is probably... Yeah, see, for me, I, I kind of like that because I think I'd sort of got the impression that when she sat down and watched the uh, Don't Go to the Church film, I think it just struck a note that was too close to home with her and she had this sort of almost like amnesia bit going on and it seemed to just just pick a, a little scar that she had, um, sort of just picking away and it made her remember a little bit more. And I thought the fact that she didn't know everything and it was almost turning her a little bit nuts. Um, I felt like when she killed the beast man at the end, that he was more of a representation of someone that she had experienced with the past, perhaps with what happened to her sister. And I like the fact that in my head, I've written my own story. Um, And I think sometimes films can be a bit too spoon fed where they tie up so many loose knots. And I like the fact it's taken me a few watches to get a grip on it. I know some people give up very easy and go, well, it didn't make a lot of sense. And I suppose this is one of those that's it's less of a spoon feeding film and one you really have to sort of make your own bits out of. Um, yeah. And I, I'm really liking films like that at the moment. Yeah. I, I would like to see it again, mm. not at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I, when it comes out, I'm definitely going to grab a copy and I'm going to sit and watch it again because like I say, I, I, I did like it. And I do wonder if also part of it is because so many people were saying such like positive things about it that I'd kind of tricked myself into believing like, Oh yeah, I'm going to absolutely love this. Mm. You know, it looks like it's been made for me. And then when it turned out to be something else, maybe I just kind of like was a bit disappointed by that. Um, like I say, I have been questioning whether or not I'm a horror fan or just a film fan who likes horror films mm-hmm. or some horror films. Because sometimes I will, like I say, I will watch horror films that hardcore fans of the genre say are amazing. And it's just not my cup of tea. It's not my sort of thing. Yeah. Did you jump at the mum scene? No. Uh, did it, it didn't get you. 
No, not really. I, I think when I first watched it, that one just caught me so unawares. And it wasn't like I jumped out of my seat, but I, my heartbeat did go. Yeah. No, I didn't really get it. I mean, as we went towards the ending, it did get a bit Italian classic-y. It reminded me a lot of sort of like an Italian classic, that sort of last scene. And I think it's been described as arty-farty. And I think when people are reviewing it, they're saying that they loved it right up to the end. Okay. Um, and like I say, I struggled a little bit through it. But um, the, the ending, Adam, do you think it sat with the whole film? I think people are saying it didn't really go with the rest of it. I don't know. That's the, that's also something that leaves me kind of like unsure. I remember seeing the end of like Switchblade Romance and thinking, well, this is rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because to me that didn't make sense. That ending didn't make sense. But because this was very similar, mm. I think there was a part of me that was just like, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure how I feel about this being the ending or the conclusion to the story. Mm. But again, that's, you know, that might just be the part of me that wanted things tied up a little bit more um, and that might enjoy it on a second watch when I kind of know what film I'm getting. Sometimes that does happen. Like I'll enjoy things on a second watch. The first um, part of it, uh, when it came out a couple of years ago, I went to see it and I was expecting something from the trailers that was like really like scary and creepy and unsettling. And what I got was something very similar in tone to The Goonies. Yeah, and so when I went to see it, when I saw it a second time, and I knew I was getting something similar in tone to the Goonies, I was like, "Oh, actually, I really like this take on it. Mm. Um, I really, I, I like this film." But because I'd been sold one thing and gotten another, I, I, the first time I watched it, I was just kind of, like, "I don't know how I feel about this." And I do wonder if maybe that's that's part of it with Sensor. Maybe I was sold one thing and I got another. And when I see it a second time, knowing what the film is like, um, I'll enjoy it more. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned like St. Maud because like that film was my film of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember leaving the cinema and not remembering walking to my car because I was so affected by the ending and what had happened. Uh, and I don't know if it was trying, if this was trying to do something similar, but for me at the time, it didn't quite work. You see, I, I've watched, like I say, I've watched it three times now. I pay particular attention to the last 20 minutes on the last one because I was like, I am going to crack this. And I might have got it wrong. I might have got it right. I don't know. But for me, it's the point where a mental stability starts going with reality versus delusion. Um, <clears throat> and I think, I, I believe she does go onto the film set. I believe she does kill the beast man. And the fact that Alice Lee, the actress, freaks out and she so desperately wants her to be her sister and she's not, is her complete breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you know, obviously the proper ending where she's outside the like, the 70s house and all smiling, all happy, is the book cover from previously in the film when she goes into the video shop. Um, and it's that point where she's perfectly censored her sort of daydream, if you like, to make it very nicey nicey but it's those behind the scenes bit when it cracks and you see the actual like the mum and dad in distress or her sister sort of either angry at her for what's happened um and i think it's really really clever when i watched it the last time right and i really want to see it again already right. I, I don't i don't know why i'm i wouldn't say i'm obsessed with this film i'm not gonna say it's my favorite film ever I've not got a ridiculous, ridiculously high score, but I'm really enjoying trying to pick it apart 
um, and trying to find out what the director was trying to put across. I think it's quite um, it's it's quite a risk, isn't it, for a director mm. to make a film that it, different to everybody who watches it. Um, I suppose it's easier, is it, to make a gory one? Yeah, I think so. I think you get like uh, you know you have a you have an established audience for that definitely, mm. um, and you know I'm toying with the idea of doing a body horror film after I do the Maya, but it's taken me a long time to kind of think about the idea and I'm currently looking for a writer to bounce ideas around off. I've got a couple of candidates that I'm going to sit and talk to soon. Well, if you need a victim in it, Adam, Steve's always wanted to see me be killed on camera. (laughs) Definitely. 100%. I I, I mean, if we can just discuss snuff film, maybe that'd be perfect. You want to see me gone, do you? (laughs) I picked that because I know there's a definite audience for that and everything I've done so far has had a genre, but it's also been quite tied up with drama. So I'd like to do something that's a hard genre film. Yeah. Even the little horror film I made for the anthology is, is, is a horror comedy and it's, I think more comedy than, than horror overall. So on the, on the basis of this actual film, I mean, the whole idea about it is around a film sensor as a filmmaker, again, the effect, that these films they say can have on people how much do you buy into that and do you as a filmmaker hold responsibility for people's actions or do you think it's harsh that people turn around and they blame computer games they blame the films are you just putting a film out for entertainment's value or are you actually trying to censor in your head thinking should i put that out i have strong opinions on this because like i say i wrote about it when i was at university um i don't think that films are inherently malicious or responsible for people's Mm behaviour. I do think that films can act as triggering points for people who have underlying trauma. Um, I think that's entirely possible. But as a filmmaker, as someone who creates things, you you can't hedge your bets on whether or not someone's going to have an underlying trauma and be triggered by what you make. You have to make something that's honest and true and is, is your vision. Yeah, and really, if it triggers someone's trauma, then it's not your responsibility. It's the responsibility of whoever or whatever gave the person the trauma in the first place, and whatever's allowed them to, whatever's allowed that person to fall through the cracks of the system, so that they've not been able to deal with that trauma in a in a way that brings them some resolution. Yeah, that's, so, that's my view on it. Yeah, I think me and um, Steve would applaud you for that because I think we both really like, we like brave filmmaking, we like people. It's silly things like I'm not trying to glorify it at all, but we've had certain films where I just, I always say some filmmakers edge away from certain things. Like you can get, um, an example, I always say very few filmmakers are brave enough to kill the kids. And I think when you actually do a scene like that where they do it, it's more honest filmmaking because in the situation it's going to come, unfortunately, not everyone's going to survive. And I think that comes across in bravery in putting it across to us rather than hedging your bets and just playing a safe game. Yeah, as, as you kind of move up the scale and you're, you're given more money mm. and you're then sort of expected to return more money, yeah. um, you know, you've got to, you know, the, the principle is that you try and make things that people will want to see. Yeah, um, you've also you know you've also got that idea. I think you know people find the idea of killing children quite reprehensible. 
Um, and so they might they might feel uncomfortable with it. For example, I could never write anything where a dog dies because I absolutely love dogs. Yeah, we see we're with you on that one. Yeah, we don't yeah. like that. No. But I was genuinely surprised when I saw Crawl and you know, with Sam Raimi and Alexandra Aja being involved, the, the dog made it through to the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but like I was, I was relieved it did because like that was the tensest thing for me. I loved Crawl. I thought it was amazing. But as like the end kind of rolled around and it was getting more and more insane yeah. with like the amount of flooding and so on and so forth. Like the thing that kept me emotionally involved in the film was, is the dog going to die? Please don't let the dog die. Yeah. Yeah, exactly um, the same. Yeah, but it, it's a good double bluffing. Yeah. I think if you've if yeah. you've actually attached yourself to a character, an animal, anything in there, and they can play with your senses, sometimes the, it goes against you. Sometimes it goes with you. But like you say, if you can attach to something, that becomes your point of wanting to watch that film. Yeah, it's like I think in in call we just sort of established that the the Caio character was a good swimmer. So like. I wasn't as worried about her when everything, like when it floods over an entire house, yeah. which is a concept that to me seems utterly ridiculous anyway. Yeah. You know, I wasn't worried about her, but the dog is defenseless, you yeah. know, and like it, it came down to uh, me and my best mate saw that as well. And like, we were both sat in the cinema, like if one of them's got to go, let it be the dad. <laughs> <laughs> Right, back to Sensor then. Do we want to do some scores? Yeah, I think so. So um, we normally score out of 100, Adam. So uh, we'll give you uh, 10 seconds to think about it while we go to Mark. Mark, Mm. what's your score for Sensor? 83. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, you really did enjoy that one. I did. Okay. Mm. Blimey. That is quite high, isn't it? Um, Adam? Uh, I gave it three and a half out of five. So I suppose suppose topped up to 100. That's about 70. Yeah. Yeah. Solid score. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I like I say, I've had one of those weeks when nothing makes sense. So, um, so yeah, I didn't really find this one any different. I've got fifty-one, okay. uh, and I think that the thing is, every film that I've watched this week uh, requires a rewatch. Yeah. So um, I should probably wait for it though to watch it in my own house. Yeah. I'll be honest, um, okay. rather than going back to the cinema to watch it because I'd be afraid that I uh, would get the same sort of thing. I'd just go back for the popcorn, mate. No, I know you honest. do. I know you do. There's an amazing uh, special edition coming out through Second Sight that I'm definitely going to buy right. when, it, when it comes out. Just, you know, because I am interested in the film. And like I say, I do think that maybe if I watched it a second time, at a time when I was more into watching it, yeah. um, you know, I might. I, I think I would enjoy it more. Yeah. Especially now that I know what it is that I'm watching, but like ten o'clock at night is no time for me to go to the cinema to watch a film. No, the uh, the worst thing for me is I think that on this first watch I was actually wishing that I was watching one of the video nasties that we saw oh, right. clips of. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. It's a I lovely think. length, though, hour and twenty four minutes. No, no, it's, it's not good. the one you've got to sort of get yourself ready for. You can mm. just what I say, I'll keep going back and watching mm. it. It's got a lot, a lot going for it. Yeah. It just didn't really get me first time. Well, thank you very much for that, then, Adam. We're sorry we've kept you. We know no, that no, uh, we know, you know that you're busy. Um, we'd really love to um, hear some updates on it. Um, if there's any other films that you want to come on and discuss, if there's any updates on the Mire as we go on, um, we'd love to have you back on. It's been very, very insightful. Yeah, um, I'm. I, I, I say I'm always at the cinema, but I think over the next sort of month, the only things I'll be getting to see is Bond and Halloween Kills. Yeah. yeah. Just because I'm, uh, you know, I've been waiting for Bond, and um, I think everyone I'm, is. Yeah, 
Halloween is uh, the first Halloween is one of the films that inspired me the most to want to make films. And John Carpenter is my biggest influence as a director. So, and I've really, I really liked the sequel. So I'm, I'm not going to risk like having to go see Halloween kills at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> after I've shot yeah. the Maya. Yeah. <laughs> um, because of course, Dune comes in the week after Halloween kills. Wow. So like they'll be clearing the ways for that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you let us know um, your socials, please, so that people can contact you um, and follow you on Twitter, etc.? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, I'm on Twitter as at Apple Park Films. Uh, it is just me. So whilst it is a company name, the tweets are all from me. We I very rarely try and sell people things, especially now that the crowdfunder's over. I'm definitely not trying to sell people things. Uh, sometimes I'm funny, which helps. <laughs> Um, and I'm, I am on Instagram and it is adam.nelson7, but like, I don't like having my picture taken. So there's not much of me on there at all. It's mostly food and film stuff. So people are welcome to, but I am one of those people that takes pictures of nice food that I make. Right. Yeah, no, brilliant. Thank you very much. We're looking forward to the Maya. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for coming on. Much appreciated. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, thank Adam. you. I love them. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah, with Adam. Guy. Yeah, wasn't he just? Wasn't he just? Good luck to him with the film. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, as it goes on, I'd like mm-hmm. to maybe get him on yeah. um, leading up to it so that we can sort of like, we've paid, obviously paid for the watch party, haven't yeah. we? So. Too big for us now, mate. Too big <laughs> Do for the Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fucking about with them chances. <laughs> okay, we'll see. I'm going to make moving on. Yes. This is the next section. This is the section that we have to call Homework. There we go. So this is the section where we give each other films that we love and the other one hasn't seen in the hope of uncovering hidden gems. What did I get from you this week? I gave you a film, mate. It's currently 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. as a 15 one-hour, 50 minutes long build as a drama horror mystery with a synopsis of a married couple grieving in the recent death of their young daughter are in Venice when they encounter two elderly sisters, one of whom is psychic and brings a warning from beyond. Starring Julie Christie, Donald Sutherland and Hilary Mason with a budget of 1.5 million grossing 108,000 1973's Don't Look Now. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I really wanted to like it. I can imagine that it's right up my street or should be. And as we've mentioned just previously in the review, I've had one of those weeks when nothing seems to make sense to me whatsoever. Okay. Now, this is exactly the same mm-hmm. it, it certainly is another example of how mood and timing can affect the viewing so on the first viewing fell asleep six times okay I, and i am tired you yeah, know what i mean yeah, it's yeah. sort of like afternoon after work um so i had to start again um i started again all the time and i, I managed to find one day where I, I managed to stay till the end i do still have the problem with the classics and I, is this class as a classic i think it's coming under cult, cult classic, classic now, yeah, yeah okay it's it's of this era the overacting, mm-hmm. I do struggle with that. Okay. Sometimes I love it, like yeah. Devils. Yeah. Remember? I thought that was absolutely fucking fantastic. Um, that was, But I expected something quite flamboyant. Mm-hmm. Um, this had moments of flamboyance that I didn't expect, nor did I think sort of fitted with it. We'll get on to those a little bit later. Um, and I just found it a little bit overbearing. I felt like it was quite slow. I felt okay. the scenes 
felt to me pretty slow. I don't know whether it was because I was rushing because I wanted not to fall asleep or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but I found that even the non-suspenseful scenes dragged mm-hmm. quite a bit, um, and I thought it was to its detriment. Um, fantastic moustache. Yeah. Um, sex scene was, uh, what was that contour thing? What was he doing when he was reaching over her, her head and like entangling? It was quite weird. Yeah. It was just like, passion, mate. Is it? Passion. It looked like a, like a naked twister. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking weird. I just wonder what all that was about. Anyway, um, I digress on there. So, um, yeah, and there were some weird scenes like that just seemed a bit out of place. Why did the blind woman have to rub her boobs when she was trying to summon um, his daughter? Why was she moaning and groaning and rubbing her boobs? I don't know. No? No. I mean... I don't know if that just sort of... It was showing her discomfort or the way she connects or something, but... Right. It was weird. It was was unsettling, but I think that adds to the sort of aura of it. Do you? Yeah. Do you think the... Because I found it a little bit weird. And also, he'd like... There was... um, the accident she's seen in the church that seemed to go on for like a yeah. disproportionate amount of time. I don't know. There's like 10 minutes he was hanging up there. Yeah. But there was lots of oohs and ahs yeah. in the sound editing. Ooh, ah. And yeah. I just, it, there was all these weird bits that just like. It was a I've, bit chaotic at points. Yeah. But I just it, found myself questioning it really bad. And, and this should have been right up my alley. Yeah. And I'm thinking that, as I said before, this was a. Uh, detrimental because of the certain you need another watch mate I, I, I so. do find I film with this one I was confused first time um, and then I watched it again and I, I enjoyed it so much more the second oh, time okay. I, I've actually had a big long DM about this film I've been asked not to reveal who from but right. they've sent some comments through if you'd like to hear them and see if you agree well, let, let me say, well, let on. me just get through so um, uh, the Venice scene was perfect Okay, I think that was a great setting really enjoyed yep. that Um I the, I didn't find the score. I, I was I've, I've written where's the score. Yeah. I didn't think the score was um, good enough for me. Okay. I barely noticed it. Yeah. I found the change of focus in the story from the missing girl. Mm-hmm. So then the wife went and stuff. A little bit confusing. Yeah. Uh, I got to be honest. It seemed like that the as I said the focus of the story was moving around. I wasn't quite sure where it was going. Yeah. And sometimes that's good. And again. Sometimes it's a bit detrimental in a confusing film in general. Yeah. They had like weird men in white jumpers running around. I didn't quite know who they were helping out. And I mean, just getting to the end, I know that I've, I've actually had a look online and I know that it was left field for everybody. And I know that there was this underlying thing about a serial killer going around, killing people, drowning women, I believe, wasn't yeah. it? That yeah. was the, but that just last scene, it does say when you actually read up about it that that was sort of left field for everybody. It just came out of the blue. But for me, it was just like, it just added to the complete confusion okay. of it, I'm afraid. Right. Um, I didn't quite get it at all. Um, I like the montage at the end, obviously. And then it's sort of like there was that little flash at the end where the, she was on the boat. I take it that was, he could see snippets of, the future and, exactly, and yeah. yeah okay it, it made a little bit more sense but not enough to make the film enjoyable on a first watch okay unfortunately um i've got 61 it's well made yeah and there were elements that i liked but i was expecting by the way that everyone spoke this to be a high 70s early 80s yeah and i'm a little bit disappointed that i just can't give it that okay on the first watch that's another watch way mate. too confusing yeah, so anyway, I've got some comments. Yeah. So the comments say, uh, focus on the opening sequence. 
So right. for your rewatch, it really literally tells you everything that will happen in the film. And when Sutherland's character first encounters his gift, it is mesmerizingly shot and edited. You can go back and watch it for lots of extra clues. Right. So you give it another watch, you might pick up on some more bits. Right. And not only does he see his daughter's death, but ultimately views his own too with the freaky image of the hooded figure sitting in the church and that musical cue. Right. Okay. Um, goes on to mention how stunning Venice looked and right. gloomy, which I thought it really did. I thought yeah, it was a no, great so backdrop. Good. It was a backdrop. Um, and, but does admit it's a little bit confusing on your first watch, but the foreshadowing and ending and how Sutherland thinks that he sees his wife return, but he's actually viewing his own funeral procession and that the scene when he thinks he's experiencing deja vu at that scene then ultimately becomes a location of his death. Yeah. So I think, like I say, as you rewatch it and I think as you pick things up, I think it does get better. Um, but basically a film with huge themes of life, death, grief and fate. Yeah. And then goes on to say about good the sex scene is. And I, I actually mean, learned something off of that. Sorry, but what was that contour? Why was he reaching around? So so he was like, so say we're sitting there, yeah. right? And it was like me reaching with my right arm yeah. over your right I ear. I have no idea about and that like, bit, mate. Like, I've... <laughs> Yeah, no I mean, idea. maybe I'll try it if you're saying it's like. But this is this what I mean. This is what he says. It just they're authentic and how brilliantly edited it is. I mean, I can just I'm just imagining Jill's face, yeah. right? If yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden she has my armpit in her face. Yeah, I mean, I'm just imagining that. I mean, try it. Mate. I'm she going to. Like I'm going to um, before Sunday, so she don't hear this. But yeah, one thing I didn't notice on that scene, and it didn't clock with me because there's a sex scene come on me in the midst of watching it, and I was like random isn't it but it wasn't until it was pointed out to me but this is the first tenderness and first time because she um, almost repaired mentally at the um, meal or whatever mm-hmm. this was the first time they had any intimacy since the death of the daughter mm-hmm. um, which I didn't cotton on to when right. someone said I was like ah perhaps it fits in better in the film than I expected yeah. it to no, I, I've, but I mean, fair I've, comments yeah I mean I've got it written down about that it's just got it's just that weird arm contour thing yeah. that he does it's very very weird can't say I noticed it terrific moustache yeah. though yeah terrific moustache front or bottom you could have one of them if you take your beard off yeah yeah perhaps have I'll have a go mate yeah go on yeah yeah try it so I've given you a 2014 film directed by Kaya Roach Turner starring Jay Gallagher Bianca Bradley Leon Burchill Keith Aegis Berenschvert, Luke McKenzie, running time of 98 minutes, budget of $1.4 million, don't have a box office, 6.2 on IMDb, 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, with a synopsis of a talented mechanic prepares to battle his way through hordes of flesh-eating monsters after his sister is kidnapped on the eve of a zombie apocalypse. I gave you, bit of fun, 2014 Wormwood Road of the Dead. Yes, you did, mate. Yeah. Sam watched it. Yeah. Misses were like, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> but you know what? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I got, I got a good. You know, when you get, uh, you're watching a film, and you think you can tell whether you're going to like it or not. Yeah, you get that feeling inside you. Straight away, I thought I'm going to like this, yeah. and it reminds me of like a little Australian Shaun of the Dead esque yeah. yeah. type yeah. thing. Yeah. I, ju- I just love the way it moved. Like five minutes in, he's shooting his wife and daughter. <laughs> yeah, there's no yeah. fucking about. It was really good. I well, was like, let's just say when the Aussies do stuff. They do it quite, yeah. uh, quite violently and quickly, aren't they? We yeah. know by their, uh, by the way, their government and that deals with people. They don't give a fuck. No, I, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed the performances on it, mate. Um, I like the fact apparently it took four years to make because <laughs> they only shot on weekends. <laughs> people on yeah. and they even got to a point where people had actually got proper jobs in between, so they was changing the scripts. So uh, I think it was, it was played. I think then 
Chalker or something, I can't remember the name of it, um, was supposed to go to the end of the film, but they just killed him because he said, oh, I've got a real job. Like, All right, <laughs> well, your character's going to have to die. And then they just doled out the lines between everyone else. Yeah, nice. Which I thought, um, hugely far-fetched, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit nuts. Um and I think some of the CGI was a little bit questionable. I mean, it ain't got a massive budget. No, I can imagine it hasn't. Um, but I like the story. And overall, I really like the production of it. I thought it looked good mm. um, with those exceptions. I love the Aussie humour, mm. that dry comedy. And it really made me laugh in mm. places. It was really funny. And it screams cult following film. Yeah, I think it's, um, it is one. And that's how I sort of picked up on it. It comes up on some sort of lists when you look at comedy horror. I just thought you might like it. Yes, yeah. uh, it is a, f- a funny little film. I think it's clever. I think because it, it's got like parts of like Mad Max and Evil Dead. Oh, definitely. But, but when I say parts of it, it's like it was influenced rather yeah. than ripped off. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of you can see the influences, but they're not borrowing bits, and it keeps it original. And this is the sort of film I wished Brain Dead was, but Brain Dead was shit. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's um, your opinion. And I, I thought it was, I think it's a real original take on a potentially oversaturated genre because there's lots of these films. It's difficult to do anything new. Um, but I thought they worked really hard in not rehashing the traditional sort of tropes through the films. And it's like to, a Ponty Pool, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, but, I mean, it, it's proper, it feels indie, doesn't it? It feels mm. properly indie. Um, but it's it's more original and better produced than some of the high budget ones. Yeah. Um, like zombie powered car, it's madness. <laughs> but I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, Favorite scene is I'm just sitting in the car. Thought that was hilarious. Absolutely, really, really great. And it was really high energy. He was made with love. This this was one of them things that. Yes, it took four years to make, but it felt like they spent those four years making what they wanted to make. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have a love for something, and you to carry on yeah. for four years. Fuck yeah. me, I struggled to carry on for forty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I struggled with uh, Bianca Brady's zombie powers, right. if you like, being able to control some of the zombies. I think I like the idea, mm. and I think it would work well. I think they needed to spend a bit more time explaining it and working with it because mm. it. I didn't really get it. Mm. Um, but I like the way they tried something different. Um, I've got four marks for new ideas, effort and originality. It's a lot of fun. And I've got 80. Have you? Mm. Fucking hell. It was fun, mate. 80? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just one of those. I want to you... get it. Do you? Yeah. It's just one of those that you know that people are going to have missed. Yeah. Isn't it? I, I, really I like that sort I want to get a copy of this. It's good fun. 80 there. Yeah. Mine with Road of the Dead. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, I'm really pleased then, mate. I'm, I'm glad it was disappointing. A bit a... Over the last few weeks, I've been looking at my scores, thinking I've got to move away. I'm, if you look at my scores at the moment, they're all in this little tight area, but they... I'm really enjoying all the films. Right. Okay. I can't, I can't help it. No, fair enough. That's I don't good. just want to change my scores because oh, I don't want to be the same. Okay. But I'm enjoying them. Sorry. All right. Well, let's see what we can do about that in a minute yeah. then. So, uh, what you got for me this week, mate? Cheery little number for you, mate. Right. I've got your films currently 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 12 8 Two hours, one minute long builds a biography drama history with a synopsis of Paul Ruzessa Bagina, a hotel manager, houses over a thousand Tutsi refugees during their struggle against the Hutu militia in Rwanda, Africa. 
starring Don Cheadle, Sophie Ocanido and Joaquin Phoenix, $17.5 million budget grossing $34 million, 2004's Hotel Rwanda. Blimey. Okay, let's hope I don't break my record of six times I fall asleep nope. on that, but uh, oh. it sounds like a heavy one. Mm, this is, well, remember I told you I went away, I read the book about the Rwandan genocide. Right. Um, tried to find a film about it. Right. Quite an interesting one. Okay, there we go. Right. Horrific. Okay. I'm going to give you a 2008 film directed by Jean-Francois Richet, starring Vincent Cassel. This is part one of a two-parter, mate. So this is a budget of $50 million, taking $46.3 million at the box office, 7.5 on IMDb and 82% of Rotten Tomatoes, with a synopsis of the story of the notorious French gangster Jacques Mayrine, with the focus on his life before the early 1970s and the events that led him to being declared public enemy number one in France. I'm giving you 2008 Mayreen Killer Instinct Part 1. Oh, I think it's, is it Mayreen? Mesreen? Never heard of it, mate. So I wonder if I fucking <laughs> I'll have a look. It's two parter. Okay. So I wonder what you're going to get next week. Oh. <laughs> Might watch both then, mate. Yeah, Just in case. I would. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're going to give you that one. A little, yeah, bit, cool. of a, a little bit of a French film. Thanks. There. All right. Mm. So I like French. Have you seen Braco the. The TV show, that's fucking no, mate. great. It's you really good. keep telling me about Bracco, I'm not watching it. Okay, well, everyone should watch Bracco. Right, so what are we doing next week then, mate? Malignant. Malignant? Yeah. Okay. Exciting, right. isn't it? James it's exciting, yeah. Yeah, it is exciting. I've heard very good things about it. I believe you've seen it already, I think. Mm, might done, might done. Can't say no, nothing. No, I haven't. So, um, so yeah, that would be interesting yeah. to do that. Um, little Building up to a little bit of horror, aren't we? Yeah. So uh, doing horror films every now and again. Looking forward to... As we say, getting Ryan on for the crescendo. Yeah. All right. Exciting. Okay, then, mate. So yeah. do you want to reiterate how people can get us on social media? Yes, mate. They can get us via Instagram or Twitter, which is at movie underscore drone, or via email or movie drone podcast at hotmail.com. Excellent. Please do with all your questions and comments and stuff. Like, mm. Sorry I've been a bit Tom Dick, mate. I sorry can't, about I can't that. say that I've been any better, mate. No, and I've been a bit thick mm. as well this week. Um, I'm putting it down to the cold and the tiredness. Uh, but uh, yeah, having serious doubts about my ability to actually function as a human being at the moment. So <laughs> doing well there. So um, there we go. So um, are we all done? Yes, mate. Right. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Paul, you should be round to this one in around about well, I'd say year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. yeah. See you then. Yeah. Well, say goodbye then, Mark. Goodbye then, Mark. See you later, See everybody. Later. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Went to the bookshop this week, mate. Asked them if they know of any good authors for dinosaur books. Oh. Um, they recommended that I try Sarah Tops. <laughs> Kids have definitely bought that one over from school. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm not going to laugh too much or cough. Thousand Tootsie refugees during their struggle against a who's to... <laughs> 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 Directed by Jean Francois. Jean Francois. <laughs> at least we can both fuck up at the end. <laughs>